Chapter 21 Role Play Gwen could tell that August was uneasy, overall, after he'd revealed more of what the Nightmare King had done. It was in the small things. August would watch him longer, more warily, when he thought Gwen wasn't looking. There were times when he didn't seem to be concentrating on what was happening around him. Once, Gwen had walked past a room filled with books and scrolls on strategy, and then backtracked when he realized that August was just standing, staring through lidded eyes at a shelf and not really seeing any of the items on there at all. He'd watched for several minutes, until August became aware of his presence. August had blinked up at him then, raised an arch eyebrow, and said, Did you want something? Did you? Do you need help finding something? August had looked at the shelf and the books upon it as though seeing it for the first time, and then shrugged noncommittally. Gwen felt he should say something else, but didn't know what to say. In the end, he had departed and left August in the room. It had made him uncomfortable to do so, but he doubted August would talk about the Nightmare King again, and he doubted that August would respond to questions about his state of mind. He'd learned enough and could fill in the blanks himself. If August ever wanted to talk about it, Gwen would listen, but August didn't talk about those things. Gwen realized, one morning, as he polished up his armor and buffed out scratches, that he was in the odd position of wanting to do something to help him. It was more than wanting justice. He put down the vambrace carefully and closed his eyes. He was August's captor, and he didn't want to be. Beneath that, he had become someone who wanted to see August whole and... free. He knew that August was simply using him as a way of passing the time in captivity. When Gwen went to training at mid-morning, he didn't stop sparring and fighting until his muscles trembled with fatigue six hours later. Not many people, even his own soldiers, could spar with him for long. He was too strong and too vicious when he got in the right frame of mind. A long time ago, he'd commissioned a mage to create artificial soldiers that could be called forth from three magical spheres. They had cost a small fortune, but Gwen had won many campaigns and amassed a vast wealth that he had almost no use for. They had been programmed with strategy and different fighting techniques, could wield many different weapons, and they were constructed to adapt and grow in strength as Gwen did. They were now the only soldiers he could fight at length without holding himself back but they were brutal and mindless. After the fourth hour, they started knocking him down, sightless eyes staring over him. Time and time again, he got up, fought them, all three at once, for as long as he could. Some of his own soldiers had come and gone, watching him for an hour, leaving after a while. There were often spectators at his training sessions, those who wished to see how he fought without having to step into the dangers of a battlefield those who wished to learn. Gwen didn't see what they had to learn. There was very little of sophistication in Gwen's fighting style. His general method was get the job done as quickly as possible. He got up, and one of the magic warriors changed his weapon from the broadsword to the rapier. He stared at it, was reminded of August with his courtier's weapon. He'd lost his concentration and been knocked down by one of the magic warriors behind him, hit so hard he was profoundly grateful for his king's healing. He sent them back to their spheres and waited for the blood to stop trickling out of the base of his skull. 
it had just occurred to him that august only became proficient in any weapons at all the rapier pressure points because the nightmare king had broken him into thinking he had to rise up and take over one of the kingdoms it had occurred to him that without any nightmare king at all august would have stayed within his lake and never learned how to fight beyond his basic water-horse instincts he would have lived out his years without knowing any of that world gwen was raised into battle he was destined for it but august was gwen pressed his fingers to the back of his head and brought them forwards the blood was slowing absently arm shaking he placed his fingertips into his mouth and licked the blood off an old habit in the shower later hot water soothed the trembling of his muscles he let his thoughts drift but he kept coming back to august's nightmare august crying out for the light in that desperate broken voice he hadn't known august could sound like that even when he'd been in the seely cell even when gwen had been tormenting him he'd never sounded quite like that and the nightmare king had returned after and gone into august's court and everyone everyone had thought they were lovers he remembered hearing one of his messengers tell him that the nightmare king and august had been ensconced away in solitude for several days after the nightmare king's return and they hadn't been lovers gwen scrubbed suds out of his hair the water pinkish with blood from a wound that had already closed it was around that time that august's court had been disbanded Quinn's eyes widened when he realized that the Nightmare King had done it himself. The Nightmare King had destroyed the Nain Rouge. He'd intimidated Green Teeth into leaving. And the Dullahan left soon after that. Had the Nightmare King secretly worked to isolate August? Had part of his plan been to oust August from the throne, as August had ousted the Raven Prince? Gwen shuddered to think of the Nightmare King as ruler of the Unsuvi Kingdom. He wasn't a true fae but some of the indestructible powers associated with kingship would have conferred to him none the less. In the end, Ash was the only one who had stayed. Quinn made a noise of surprise when something else occurred to him. He closed his eyes and leaned up into the hot spray, hoping he was wrong. But August had attacked Jack, and then compelled Jack to tell the Nightmare King. He had intended Jack as a gift. Had he intended Jack as a distraction? to partially break a spirit and lead him to the arms of his tormentor as a way of what taking attention off himself and the use of the word gift was interesting now in retrospect knowing august and the nightmare king hadn't been lovers at all why present the nightmare king with a gift a toy if not to distract from the other one by the gods gwen breathed shutting off the shower and stepping out his muscles more stable than they'd been before these were the sorts of things he didn't like to think about, but his mind refused to let it lie. He wondered if his court knew that he often looked so distracted, because his mind was pacing down these backwards corners, putting things together, deciding what to do with them, if they were any use to him now. He had nothing he wanted to do with this, except that he wanted to help somehow. It wasn't so strange to want to render himself of assistance to others, but to help an individual person? to offer something of himself if it would bring august a measure of comfort he is only using you as a way of passing the time it didn't matter beneath the guilt and the shame at what he'd done himself to contribute to august's state of mind was a genuine need to make reparation 
it was a strange thing to find himself feeling twinned with an unwanted affection that he was starting to feel whenever he saw august in his palace other fay might have sunk themselves into sleep after a training session like that but gwen trained for hours almost every day and when he wasn't doing that and didn't need to attend to kingdom tasks he went mountaineering spelunking whatever he could do that might keep him fit and attuned to his environment he'd recently taken to traversing the canopies of cloud forests because his lungs and body weren't used to the high humidity and it was a challenging environment instead of sleep he sat down at his work desk and did paperwork quietly it gave him something else to focus on and he was glad of it two days later gwen was in a chamber off the throne room he'd finished mediating a dispute between two cv fay and before anyone else could slip into the room his mother entered she smiled at him charmingly as she sauntered towards him she sat down in the seat and gwen thought sourly that the expression that passed her face as she settled into the chair may have actually been disappointment that she wasn't settling into a throne instead after all if ethnician could no longer occupy it then perhaps she wanted to he'd never understood why she hadn't angled for the throne before darling creel said looking at him from azure eyes a blue so deep it reminded gwen of hot summer days and skies that stretched over empty landscapes her eyes were perfectly lined lashes darkened she was striking even gwen knew that even without her glamour which she possessed in natural unconscious abundance she was one of the most beautiful fay to have graced the Seely court gwen nodded an acknowledgment at her and waited others saw the beauty but gwen's heart started pounding a beat of fear whenever she entered a room once gwen had thought that it was he and his father against the evil and calculated malice of his mother he'd been wrong of course while his father had never been a true ally Cruel's cruelty was far more noticeable growing up with her and gwen had always been given reasons to fear her even now grown and able to bring down armies simply by showing up on a battlefield with his sword she struck fear into his heart i miss my dear nephew creel said her voice unctuous she smiled at him a faux sympathy stealing over her face ethnician was a dear was he not yes mother gwen said but his tone said the opposite he allowed himself these small rebellions, as she allowed herself her cruelties in his own court. Perhaps we should do something to celebrate his death, something my dear nephew would have enjoyed. And if you helmed the event, then no one could doubt your love of him. Do people doubt it? Gwen said coldly, and Creel allowed a sliver of laughter to fall from her throat. <laughs> your court doubts your ability to feel any emotion other than bloodlust. They do, of course, appreciate your heroism and your ability to face down great evil. But they look into your watery blue eyes, see your thickly hewn body designed for the crudity of battle, and remember you better as a general. A king is supposed to enliven the court, is he not? You know I only tell you these things to help you. Gwen nodded, but didn't agree. Creel was one of his biggest detractors. If people thought him of possessing a weak constitution to be king, she had something to do with it. If his court remembered him better as a general, it was likely because she wove stories of how his heroism shone on a battlefield, and then chose to carefully contrast it with his dour nature in the court. They would prefer to know of your grief and your willingness to celebrate those who had once been living. 
What if you were to hold a wild hunt in dear Ephnician's honour? And you've not held a wild hunt in some time, have you? Would it not be perfect, then, to announce your return to the wild hunts themselves by launching them off with a special occasion? Dread was thick in his throat. It had been sitting there, squatting like a toad, since she had mentioned missing her nephew. Her nephew, who had been plotting against Gwen, and Ash, and August. Here, then, it comes, Gwen thought. Ephnician disdained the hunts. It appalled him that the white stag came back to life again after being honorably killed. But of course he did. However, it would never occur to you to hold some other sort of wake for Ephnician, some other celebration that fitted more with his interests. You have not the mind for such a thing. Perhaps, oh, and look at me, in the position of adviser once more. Well, a mother must do what she can for her son. <sighs> Creel sighed, as though Gwen was a hopeless case. Gwen waited for the hammer to fall. He had expected this request to come from someone else. Perhaps she couldn't find someone to pass along her message for her. Even though the display went so well, and you proved your ability to cow that terrible, terrible monster who has done so much harm to both of the kingdoms, People still wish to see the Arkushka dead, Ephnician more than most. Could you not, for one wild hunt, designate a very special quarry? After all, just like any deer, he can gallop and flee, fleet of foot, can he not? And as underfay, he would be delightfully vulnerable to any arrow that flew at him. Gwen knew all of this very well himself. It still made him sick to think of it. I am not accountable to you, Gwen said, voice flinty. He is alive. He is cowed. His thoughts, however, took a different direction. He is most certainly not living in the palace itself, and definitely does not have access to my inner rooms, and absolutely I have not held him through a nightmare, or anything else. In that moment, Gwen hated himself with a twisted, bizarre clarity. You're flushing, Creel said. Is he not as cowed as you say? Gwen grit his teeth, opened his mouth to respond, but she cut across him, smiling. I'm sure he is. Let us instead talk about whether or not you are accountable to me, your mother, who raised you. Gwen took a deep, slow breath. He'd slighted her. He'd slighted her more than his very existence usually did. My darling, call a vote tomorrow, and many of the Seely Fae would vote for you to remain in power. Call a vote in ten years, and I'm sure we could say the same. But in twenty or thirty years, the balance of power would swing. You've made no secret that you never wanted to be king. Some of them feel pity for you. Some of them simply want a king who can entertain them again like before, who will hold the old fertility festivals and be jovial and light of heart. And, my dear, here is something of why you might wish to remember some accountability towards your mother. When you get voted out of this kingdom, you are free of the yoke you and your family loathe seeing you toil under. Oh, your dear, dear father would chafe to see how you hated it so. So then, son, you will be voted out eventually. And that is a crude, a crude saying that I can't quite recall. What was it? When you were not king, and far more mortal than you are now, I believe the saying is, Accidents happen. 
Gwen's eyes widened. He stared at her. He hadn't heard a death threat so explicit from her since he was far younger. Well before he'd ever been king. "'Why are you looking at me like that?' Creel said, affecting a confusion so false that he knew she was practically gleeful. "'Oh, no, you have misunderstood me. Oh, my poor, paranoid son. Whatever would make you fear such a thing from me, who has always stood in your corner?' She smiled at him demurely, and Gwen suppressed his shudder. Now she was just baiting him, and they both knew it. There was nothing Gwen could say in response to her words. And the one thing he could not do, that he was absolutely within his rights to do, was kick her out of his court. No one would understand. No one would believe she was like this. And then favor would swing against him. Gwen forced himself to calm, shoved away the death threat. He could deal with that later. At least it confirmed one thing. The plot against Ash, the plot against August, it had been masterminded by his mother, and it was likely designed to get Gwen off the throne sooner rather than later. She had always wanted him punished for simply being a pawnet in the first place, her primary disappointment displayed for all the Seely court to see. "'This wild hunt idea is intriguing,' Gwen said, voice flat. "'You do know, of course, that he has never attended a single wild hunt. I do not understand this fixation of yours, mother. You have not attended one either.' I thought you would pick something more sophisticated. There, Gwen thought, let her make it plain what she desires, so that I might be equally plain. The smile that Creel offered him was dazzling. From a distance it would have pulled people to her favor. Up close it was a dead thing, designed to intimidate. Gwen had seen it often as a child. But you have attended many wild hunts, my wild, monstrous son. And, oh, let me remember— was it not the Akushka who invited you to them? This is true, Gwen said, and then decided to place his ace on the table. However, I am aggrieved to inform you that the white stag will not allow a quarry like the Akushka to sully such a sacred, sacrosanct ritual. There, he thought. Gwen had checked. Gwen had asked the white stag about it already, and it turned out that the white stag, king of the forest, would not have allowed the Akushka to be hunted. It had nothing to do with sullying the ritual. The king of the forest had an unerring ability to see into the hearts of those he allowed to run the wild hunts, and he had said, in no uncertain terms, that he would not allow a soul such as August to be run down in his ritual to never get up again. All in all, he was a rather compelling character witness. "'How do you know this?' Creel said. To her credit, she didn't look disappointed or remotely put off. "'Did you check?' Oh, no. Creature, did you check? Why would you check? Not because you wanted him dead yourself, because everyone, and believe me, everyone, knows you do not. Did Ephnician say something to you? Oh, but he is so bad at keeping secrets, isn't he? My cruel, darling nephew. He cannot help himself. Creel chuckled, and it sounded like a death knell. She gazed at him, a hardness creeping over her face, until he swore he could see nothing else but a giant, insatiable beast living inside of her, a beast barely caged by the center she wore so well. His whole family, Seely, and like this. How they had maintained such an influence over the court for so long. Did you know how strange I found it? How terribly tragic 
that he died in the caves of Argoth? Terribly tragic, given that he has never been there before. But, oh, do correct me if I'm wrong. Haven't you visited the caves of Argoth many times in the past? She knows, Gwen realized. Had she known that Gwen had been involved in his death, somehow, before this? Or had she figured it out just now? Abnissian has always been swung towards carefree and reckless ideas, mother, Gwen said quietly. You know this. And so he has, Creel agreed, sounding almost fervent. But her eyes were accusing, and her nails had dug in, just slightly, into the table. But it was a fair idea, Gwen said. Perhaps I will consider holding a wake here, at the court. You could organize it, if you wish. Spread more rumors about how I'm better off as a general, he thought, and plot some more about how you're going to put me down. I couldn't miss my dear cousin Mole, Gwen said, allowing his voice to fall flatly. The words were correct, but since Creel knew that Gwen had been involved in his death, Creel likely assumed that he had murdered him. Gwen saw no reason to pretend otherwise. He would say the right words. But he and his mother just as often communicated in inflection, even when it was just the two of them. She would heap her hatred upon him, and he would crawl out from underneath that burden by offering her these small, trite rebellions. She smiled a glittering hatred at him, and stood up gracefully. Perhaps I will organize that wake. Someone else might have thought that they'd won, that they'd somehow gotten a victory over her. But Gwen knew better. There were plots still swimming in her eyes and secrets still played at the curve of her mouth. And, at the end of the day, she was working fervently to find a loophole in Gwen's dislike of killing captives. If she could get the court to present him with a valid reason to kill August, Gwen would have to say no, and she was right. Favor would turn against him. They were a bloodthirsty lot. And he would have to be careful for his life, because, at the end of the day, almost all of her plots involving Gwen involved filicide as their final outcome. He'd had more than one reason to get good at strategy from an early age. August was waiting in Gwen's room when Gwen entered. He was sitting on the desk itself, swinging his legs back and forth idly. He held a length of rope in his hands, and Gwen stared at it when he entered. He'd had enough adrenaline rushes to last him at least a week, thanks to seeing his mother, and yet adrenaline scored his body again. He could feel his heart beating. August looked at him, looked at the rope, looked at him again, and smirked. "'I'd like to play,' August said, something dark in his voice. Gwen swallowed. "'August, this—I'm not sure if—' "'Today we're going back to the cell,' August said, bouncing upright to his feet. There was something in his eyes that Gwen didn't quite like, that made him uncomfortable. After his encounter with his mother, though, he was positive that he was being paranoid. The cell, Gwen said, and August took another coil of rope off the table where it had been resting beside him. Then he picked up a small briefcase, expertly worked with black leather, the edges embroidered with a deep scarlet thread. Gwen stared at it. Tools of the trade, August said, and his lips lifted in a half-smile. I thought you didn't like the cell, Gwen said, and felt stupid as soon as he'd said it. August raised his eyebrows and then stepped towards Gwen looking more like a hunter than Gwen could remember seeing in some time. "'The cell,' August commanded, and then grasped Gwen's forearm with a grip that wasn't quite cruel. 
Gwen transported them without protesting. He was too tired to fight August in this, and there was something about August which... Would it help him? Would it help him to play? And Gwen thought that he could do with a reason not to think about anything. It might be good to just obey someone who he could actually please. Gwen closed his eyes, found the cell through sense. August stepped back from him and drew out the length of rope once more. Today you shall be under Fay, imprisoned in the cell of the unseavy king, and I shall be that king. Gwen's eyes flew open, and August stared at him. There was something hard in his gaze, behind the playfulness of his smile. The mischief seemed brittle. Gwen opened his mouth to protest, to say that he wasn't comfortable with this. But he couldn't help but wonder, especially now that he knew what August wanted. What if this would help August? Gwen knew very well now that August liked to get power back for himself by subjugating others, by asserting his dominance. What better way for a captive to assert his dominance than to role-play captor? Gwen blew out of her breath. What do you need me to do? he said, his voice shakier than he would have liked. August smiled a slow, hungry smile at him. Take your clothes off. Turn your back to me. Cross your arms behind your back at the wrists. Gwen looked around at the dimness of the cell. He stared at the walls uneasily as he stripped himself down, shedding his shirt and breeches, kicking off his boots, and then lining them up against the wall, surprised that August didn't stop him when he did that. He hadn't intended it as a way of slowing things down, it was just an old habit. Once naked, he faced the long corridor, glad that he was the only one who could enter the dungeon, glad that no one else could come down here and see them like this. He moved his arms behind his back, crossed them at the wrists. August tied him quickly and brutally, the cord cutting into his skin. Gwen made a small sound of protest, but August said nothing, only tugging hard on the knots and making sure they were tight. He must have known how painfully he'd bound Gwen's wrists, checking like that. "'You will call me King,' August said, his voice colder. Gwen frowned. "'August, I will not—' One hand yanked at his bound wrists, making him stumble backwards, and the other hand found the pressure points in the vertebrae at his neck and dug down. The pain was excruciating, and Gwen's knees buckled. August's hand on his wrists made him fall into a kneeling position, keeping him upright. Pain pulsed through him, blistered through his head. August must have held the pressure points down for at least thirty seconds before relenting. By then, Gwen was gasping, blinking to clear the spots in front of his eyes. King, August said again, and Gwen shivered. <sighs> Gwen said, closing his eyes. He hadn't addressed anyone by such a term since the Oak King. Using the word with August was unsettling. He bowed his head, tried the word again. King. And you don't have a name, August said, voice practically a purr. You are prisoner. Do you understand? Gwen blinked at the loamy floor. His vision was still affected by the pressure points, his neck and the back of his head burnt with pain. He knew he could teleport away, knew, possibly, that he should, but after the day he'd had, after realizing what he'd realized about August's history, after everything, Gwen bowed his head. Yes, King. August laughed softly, a callous delight in his voice. This reminded him very much of the August that had stripped him apart when they'd first met. 
a colder August, one who was attentive, but only in so far as breaking someone down. He stared at the ground, closed his eyes when he felt fingers thread through his hair. He was prepared for the pull when it came. August yanked his head back so that Gwen was staring up at him, and August stared down, curiosity on his face. "'You're good at this,' August said. "'Who knew that you would make such a meek prisoner? I expected some fight from you. You were, after all, once the king of the Sidi Fay, were you not?' Gwen stared at him, wide-eyed. "'Oh, I asked you a question.' August whispered, and trailed his fingers down Gwen's exposed throat. Gwen's heart was a rabbit thump in his chest. He looked down at the closed case that August had brought with him, wondered what was inside. I was the king, Gwen said, voice thin. Were. Past tense. Of course. How clever you must have believed yourself to be, when you conspired with Ash to infest me with those shadows. Oh, no. And yet here you are, on your knees in a dungeon, at my mercy. Do you have anything to say for yourself? You had best think of something now, prisoner. I'm not feeling particularly merciful. Gwen opened his mouth, staring up into those green eyes, but words deserted him. He thought about asking for mercy. He thought again about suggesting they stop this and do something else. But the day had been uncommonly long, and he craved it, he realized. He craved this crueler August. He closed his mouth deliberately, and August reached up and rubbed the swallow that Gwen made, dragging the tips of his claws down his trachea. August shoved him down, letting his hair go with a push that, with Gwen's wrists tied behind his back, upset his center of gravity and made it harder to catch himself. Muscle control stopped his head from hitting the floor, but it was a move designed to be rough. Gwen's heart beat hard. He wanted to forget. He wanted whatever August was offering. It was likely to hurt. He wouldn't, for the most part, classically call himself a masochist, but after his encounter with Creel, Accidents happen. Gwen heard the sound of the case opening. He didn't know what to expect with August anymore. He knew it wasn't likely to be sounding, but otherwise he had no idea. He doubted it would be sex. August, in this mood, was less likely to fuck someone, more likely to ruin with objects, to forego physical intimacy. He gasped when he felt cold metal upon his lower back. He knew exactly what that was. August. <clears throat> Gwen's uncertain question was cut off. August dug his thumb between Gwen's vertebrae at his neck, found that pressure point that Gwen loathed, and pressed so deeply that Gwen lost track of time for several seconds, vision going black. When August let go... Gwen was aware that he was gasping, was aware of the flat of the knife's blade resting over the base of his spine. "'Address me properly,' August said, and it took Gwen a moment to even remember that he was supposed to be under Fay. He'd never been under Fay, not even born under Fay. <laughs> "'King,' Gwen gasped and turned his head sideways, wincing when his neck ached. The nerve endings felt raw. He wasn't sure August had ever been so consistently rough with those particular pressure points before. It was like a bomb had been detonated at the base of his skull. There are, of course, punishments for those who commit crimes against their people. For those who break fail law, August said, voice devoid of feeling. Gwen wondered how much it cost him to say that, if anything, knowing what he had done. And you are only under Fay, 
Olga said. Gwen pressed his lips together when he felt the knife score into his skin. It was sharp, far sharper than he thought it would be. The pain was more of a sting, and harder to block out because of it. It also meant, however, that the wounds would close only a few minutes after August made them. Gwen had been bared by the knife before, by August, such a long time ago, that Gwen had almost forgotten what it was like. That slow, calculated cutting, the knowledge that August cared little for the skin barrier that most others held sacred except in battle or when committing violence. August followed ridges and lines of muscle with his knife, found meridians of nerve endings, spilled blood. Once, Gwen had strained at ropes binding him to get away from the knife, terror streaking through him. He'd been naive, he didn't know people did it for pleasure. And August had showed him that the knife could be a cleansing, could be a way of finding and losing focus again, disappearing into a morass of sensation with a pain that dragged a fluid, unusual pleasure behind it. He had shown Gwen how to vanish in the red blackness of it, and Gwen had gone willingly, wanting respite from his own mind, his own thoughts. Back then, when August had realized that Gwen liked the knife, his eyes had lit up with a wild delight. He wondered what August's eyes looked like now. August moved from scoring his lower back to his bound arms, and Gwen jerked when he cut a shallow line into the sensitive skin in the crook of his arm. But he made no sound. This is entirely disappointing, August said coolly. Underfay, don't heal this quickly. Shall I cut deeper? Make it more realistic? Gwen's teeth clenched when August went from cutting shallow, quick-healing lines of red to cutting deeply into muscle. His throat worked on a stalled exhale. That would take longer to heal. An hour, maybe. More. It was then, when August returned to his lower back and cut deeper into his flesh, dangerously close to internal organs, that Gwen realized this had nothing to do with him. Nothing at all. August didn't care about his pleasure. This was... Gwen forced himself to swallow down a cry of pain, feeling shaky. He didn't know what this was. He hoped it would help. This is still better than being left down in the dark, August purred, though there was a lifelessness in his tone that sent goose flesh crawling across Gwen's skin. The words, when Gwen concentrated on them, were disturbing. But then, I don't imagine the dark would bother you now much, would it? Gwen jerked at his bonds when he realized what August was doing, who August was pretending Gwen was, and August stroked at his hands with cold fingertips, hushed him with an eerie calm. "'Prisoner, am I scaring you?' August said, and Gwen nodded. "'Yes, King.' He shouldn't have said it. He should have called August by his name. He should have teleported away and left August in the cell to come to his senses while he— dripping blood, showered himself off and waited for his wounds to heal. He should have done many things. The one thing he probably shouldn't have done was decide to play along, decide that he could carry the pretense. He could be the prisoner that August needed him to be. He'd been tortured before. This would be nothing. This was still infinitely preferable to that brief moment with his mother in the chamber earlier in the day. And he... He couldn't help but feel a kinship in that moment, with the Nightmare King he'd helped to defeat. He'd learned how to create the Golden Light, that impossible, awful light, in order to defeat a creature that, when he really thought about it... August was shifting behind him, and when he returned, he cut into Gwen's skin with a far blunter blade. He had to use pressure just to get the knife through his skin, and it hurt. 
this was nothing like what august had done to him all that time ago he writhed briefly adjusting and then his mind began to adapt this was more ethnician style it was easy enough then to move into a wary blankness he was alert to what august was doing but his mind stopped throwing him fully formed sentences and offered only words instead pain danger except wait he began to lose track of time it occurs to me prisoner that i don't particularly want to kill you quickly it makes far more sense to drag this out over time perhaps the period of a year what do you say to that gwen's mind pulled together long enough to remember that the nightmare king had august for about a year there was no mistaking now who gwen was supposed to be he swallowed down a cry when august pressed a blunt wound on his torso in between his ribs the skin was sensitive there and august stopped and then repeated the same wound between the next space between his ribs now now august said coldly it's impolite not to answer your king august dug his fingers into one of the wounds and found a pressure point that would have made gwen lurch sideways had august's other hand not come up and held him firm by the wrists august withdrew his fingers from the wound quickly but kept a punishing grip on the bindings tying gwen down answer me august hissed <laughs> A year. Yes, Gwen managed, wondering at what point this would all be over. How long since August had started cutting him? Half an hour? Longer? Factoring in the spaces where August chose the next place to cut, deliberately ratcheting up the tension, it could even be close to an hour. Some of the deeper wounds were already closing or closed, no longer sources of pain. A slow, thick guilt was rising close to the surface. It was often there, and Gwen was used to turning away from it, shoving it down, pushing it behind walls. It was an old, ancient guilt. It had crawled over him the first time he'd taken a life, and it had never truly gone away again. It had waited, condemning, when Gwen had tortured Cullider. It had suffocated him during the display of August in his court. It had tripped him up when he had first gone down to the cells and decided to exercise his cruder nature to subjugate someone who had, it turned out, already been subjugated and broken, which is why he'd committed all those crimes in the first place. It crept higher until it became hard for Gwen to breathe, until he was shaking under the weight of it. When the next cut pressed into his skin, Gwen's eyes began to burn. It wasn't even that it was terribly painful. When August stuck his fingers into pressure points, it hurt more than this. But Gwen began to feel degraded, began to feel as though August could very well leave him in the cell, and Gwen couldn't protest on any moral ground. He deserved a cell. He should have been put in one a long time ago. It was... familiar. It made the guilt inside of him press against the wall of his eyes, and look around avidly, only to find the cell itself wanting, only to remind Gwen that he deserved worse than this. Gwen blinked tears out of his eyes. "'Your responses are very disheartening,' August said, and his voice was a cold politeness which wouldn't have sounded amiss in his own family. He'd heard August speak like this before, in the months before he was defeated and removed from his throne. Gwen shouted out in pain when August dug the blade underneath his skin, near the top of his hip-bone. He lunged forwards and August dragged him back again, chuckling to himself. Gwen's breath resolved to gasps, and he pressed his forehead down into the ground. He would never, ever, ever grow used to those blasted pressure points, not when they were dug into like that, underneath his skin. His nerve endings shrieked at him. 
I hope you realize that we're only beginning. You had me for a very long time, and I have not even begun to imagine how to best pay you back in kind. Oh, don't get me wrong, I have imagined it. But to have you here, now, to learn what hurts you. The knife dug into his nerves again, and Gwen couldn't help but couldn't help but try and get away. It was nothing like August Nails. The knife was doing too much damage to muscle and sinew. It was less precise, shredding at him. There was a struggle, as Gwen pitted his strength against August, and it wasn't until August wrenched his bound arms up until his shoulders threatened to wrench out of their sockets that Gwen subsided, remembering that he was supposed to allow this. He was supposed to. If it helped, he would heal. He could withstand this. Even though Gwen had stopped trying to get away, August twisted his arms up higher, and Gwen grunted at the pain. "'You're not skilled at being under Fay, are you, prisoner? You keep forgetting yourself, your new place now. Perhaps I should leave you in the dark, and see if that helps you come to heal.' Gwen stilled. Were these words August had heard himself? His breath stuttered out of his lungs. You know that I can read your fears very well, don't you? By the gods they are. Gwen swallowed down a thick wave of nausea. You cowering like this is delightful. But I rather suspect that I can draw far more pain from you than this, don't you? Gwen could feel himself shaking, but felt paralyzed. A part of him was locked down in horror. Another part of him was breaking down underneath the weight of those words knowing that they still applied to him, even in this situation. It was confusing, and Gwen had stopped thinking properly some time ago, when the knife was becoming intimate with his flesh. But those words, those inflections, they didn't belong to August at all. That was pure Nightmare King. It sounded, for a moment, as though Pitch had wandered into the room. It drew Gwen back to a nightmare he'd had at the summit of a mountain, while babysitting a frost spirit where a Nightmare King had crept into his mind and brought up some of his darkest memories and laughed at them. "'Ah, Gwen,' the Nightmare King had said, "'what a web of criminal activity you are. "'Have you ever thought of aligning yourself with someone like me? "'I could make it good for you, my Prince of Light. "'I know what you need. "'The only question is, "'how much could I make you bleed "'before you still crawled back for more, my course?' cowardly prince.' And here he was, bleeding, and August was using the Nightmare King's words on him, and August was pretending Gwen was the Nightmare King. It had tangled Gwen's mind up in knots, and he froze to the floor, trying to ride out full-body shudders. The Nightmare King had dragged up memories Gwen had tried to put behind him, and it was all Gwen could do not to break out sobbing when he'd woken up, aware that he was a king, had a reputation, and the frost spirit needed him to be stronger than whatever he'd wanted to be when he had awoken. August cut him some more, but Gwen found that he no longer cared about the pain. He couldn't concentrate. When August tutted in disapproval and withdrew and shifted around in his case, all Gwen knew was the ooze of blood down his back, the smell of it thick in the air. "'This will hurt,' August said. "'I'm afraid it will hurt rather a lot.' Gwen tensed at the words, and then felt a knife slide between his ribs, angling up towards his heart. He flinched, cried out, his mind a mess, and then choked when the blade slid deeper. August angled the blade down, as though he meant to cut into Gwen's ribs. And he could now, he was capital Fay, he was— 
there was a sudden terrible gasp above him and the knife slid out of him a rough quick movement gwen's stab wound started pouring blood the gasps didn't stop and august shouted in a high fractious pain august dropped down alongside him and gwen turned to him confused worried groggy august's head bowed towards the ground a bloodied serrated knife dropped out of his hand and rolled away gwen swallowed several times before he thought he was able to speak in that time august breathed heavily his hand came down to clutch his chest gwen thought possibly that august might be remembering something terrible from the past he wasn't sure through the haze of pain he became aware that he wasn't thinking very well that last wound had been far far deeper than the rest king gwen said and then tried to tilt his head to look at august properly instead he ended up looking at the knife itself at the blood on it august made a sound of pain and forced himself upright onto his knees both of his hands were clutched to his heart and he bowed his shoulders once more a long syllable of pain forcing its way out of his throat <laughs> my name is august he rasped and then bent back down to the ground again his forearms bracing his entire weight as he rocked forwards gwen wanted to get up to check he was okay but he couldn't think as he looked towards the packed earth of the ground rested his forehead against it he felt august's clumsy arm come up and work on the knots at the rope around his wrists he pulled his arms forward when they came free embraced himself his shoulders ached his wrists were lacerated he felt sticky wet with blood august are you what is wrong why august said disbelieving he sounded far more like himself than he had since gwen had seen him in his room why didn't you stop me gwen didn't know what to say he felt blood trickling down his skin from between his ribs he was lucky a lung hadn't been punctured august was capital fay now he could have done real damage he gwen's eyes widened i almost broke the blood oath august said voice rough with pain august forced himself upright and then placed careful fingers on one of the spaces on gwen's back that hadn't been wounded gwen kept his head down to the ground there was a tenderness in that touch that he didn't know how to respond to august had almost broken the blood oath the one to not cause gwen permanent injury or death which meant that gwen squinted at the knife and then reached out to grasp it when he realized what metal it was made of ingrit he would have healed but it would have damaged the integrity of his bone had august cut into it his ribs would have been weakened forever and if august activated his blood oath that meant that he intended to cut into bone gwen stared at the knife and then dropped it when a particularly strong bout of shaking made its way through him the fingers on his back disappeared and then august was suddenly crouching alongside him looking at him intently his eyes were wide concerned gwen gwen nodded a response he knew he had to respond he was trying to help he closed his eyes and blocked out august's face and waited for whatever would come next it wasn't like him to be so groggy after something like this he'd withstood far worse he didn't understand what was wrong he squeezed his eyes shut tightly when he felt fingers sticky with blood touch him on the cheek fuck august said and then got up again he didn't do anything to gwen which surprised him gwen stayed still on the floor waited august picked up the knife the rope packed up his things he took his time about it and gwen was reminded of the time that august had packed away the sounds methodically and with precision when he'd realized that something had gone wrong 
August came back and was wiping blood off his fingers with Gwen's shirt. When he was done, he took the hem of the shirt and brought it up to Gwen's cheek, carefully wiping off the smears of blood he'd left there. "'Take us to my room,' August said quietly, and Gwen nodded, intended to move, but his thoughts were sluggish. A minute passed, another, and then August swore again. "'Gwen, concentrate for me. Can you take us to my room?' Gwen nodded and reached out with his hand, surprised when August slipped his own hand into it. He thought he'd have to grasp his wrist or his forearm. Instead, August squeezed his hand against Gwen's, and Gwen dragged his thoughts together, found the light that would trip them both into a different space. He landed on the floorboards of August's room in his palace, stayed still. It wasn't so much the pain that was forcing him to stay still. He'd experienced worse in battle. He'd experienced worse at Ethnician's hands. And the pain itself was constant, but not crippling. But he couldn't seem to remember what he was supposed to do next. He stayed down. He waited. August got up and walked out of the room, and Gwen's eyes widened when he realized he'd been left alone. He felt bereft. Perhaps August had gotten it out of his system, whatever it was. Gwen's heart was still racing. He drew his arms backwards towards himself and cupped his palms protectively over his chest, lying upon them and pressing his cheek to the floor. He would just stay like this a little bit longer, and then his fey healing would have well and truly kicked in and erased the worst of the damage. He would leave. He would check in on August later. His mind drifted, and he jolted in shock when the door clicked open. He opened his eyes and saw August's boots, and then looked up to see August looking down at him, eyebrows pulled together, lips pursed. All right, August said, almost to himself. He cleared his throat. Command swam into his voice. Gwen, get on the bed. Lie on it, face down. Gwen pushed himself upright mechanically, automatically, and August watched him with a sober, still wariness. Gwen wanted to apologize for the blood as he lay on the bed but he knew that August could see it was there, and so he lay down without saying anything, resting his head on his forearm. August got on the bed with him and placed a warm, damp towel over his back. Gwen hissed at that, and August palmed the back of his head. It was familiar, soothing, and Gwen's breathing started to even out. He hadn't expected August to come back. "'You should have stopped me,' August said, and then sighed. "'You didn't think to, did you?' Gwen shook his head. "'You would have let me cause you permanent injury,' August said. "'I didn't realize,' Gwen said thickly. "'I didn't know the blade was made out of ingrate.' "'I doubt you would have stopped me even if you had known,' August said, pressing his hands down into the towel and helping it to absorb the blood. He took another damp cloth. Gwen realized belatedly that must have been what August was doing when he left, and rubbed it across the back of Gwen's neck. Gwen groaned softly. It soothed that the bruises left behind when August had dug into his pressure points. August paused, and then repeated the gesture, and Gwen's body relaxed further against the bed. There, August whispered. Good. Good, Gwen thought, hazily. You can't leave. You have to stay here for a little while. I need to take care of you. Do you understand? Can't have both of us almost breaking a blood oath in a single night. But this isn't about me. Gwen said. August lay down on his stomach beside Gwen, and then looked at him, sought his eyes. Gwen gave the eye contact uneasily, and August removed the damp towel from the back of Gwen's neck and rubbed his fingertips across it instead. Gwen shivered at the gentleness of it. Who is it about? 
August said. Me? The Nightmare King? Gwen tensed. Gwen, why did you let me treat you like you were him? There was a knowingness in August's eyes, and Gwen turned his head the other way, cutting off the eye contact. He didn't want to see that. Not with August's fingers stroking the back of his neck in that gentle way, not with his back still bleeding and wounded and breathing through pain. I thought it would help, Gwen said, and August reached up and dragged fingertips through Gwen's hair, sighing. It did help, August said. It helped me get closer to the madness I thought I'd shed, and I shan't be doing it again. Gwen grimaced. That didn't sound like it had helped at all. He pushed his face into the bed. Once, he'd been sure that August was beyond recovery, but six months in a cell on his own, and he'd somehow recovered himself without anyone else's help. He wondered what people would say if they knew, if they would ever believe in him again. And he wondered how August would keep himself back from the abyss, but then... August seemed far more efficient at that than Gwen had ever been. After all, August seemed able to master himself. But for Gwen, his self-mastery was clumsy in the arena of madness. "'Do you think you'll like the Nightmare King?' August whispered, and Gwen pulled away from that touch against his neck, from August's warmth against his side. He inched sideways until he'd put space between them. August simply followed and lay alongside him once more, trailing fingers through his hair again. Gwen made a face against the blankets. "'Do you?' August said, and touched what part of Gwen's cheek he could reach. "'Do you look at all the evil you've done, the lives you've ruined, the people you've destroyed?' Do you look at the fact that he held me captive, and now you hold me captive, and wonder? You both fucked me. Both let me down into the dock. Both kept me in isolation. You mustn't be blind to the parallels. Gwen's hands were still cupped over his heart, and he slid them out and wrapped them around his head instead. He had no answer. He was still shaking. He didn't want to talk about this. You've even both used my brother against me. August said, a light jab that contrasted with the way he was now smoothing his hand over the towel itself, carefully avoiding the worst of the wounds as they healed. Gwen turned his head to the side, faced away from August. I thought it would help, just to let you, he said again. It was all he knew to say. He didn't want to admit anything. How altruistic of you, August said dryly. Gwen... August sighed. There was a heaviness in the sound itself. For one strange, bizarre moment, Gwen thought that August was going to say he wasn't like the Nightmare King at all. But the moment passed, and August simply trailed his hand back up to Gwen's neck and curved over it, like his hand belonged there. He is just using you as a way of passing the time, Gwen reminded himself. Gwen squeezed his eyes shut, his hands clenched over his head. When I saw you earlier... August said. He was so ready to drop, to submit. Quick even for you, and you can be quick. What happened today? Gwen shuddered violently before he could stop himself. He hadn't expected a question like that, and he hadn't been prepared for August to ask it while he was healing and bloody, while he wasn't entirely back in his mind yet. He shook his head, and August tensed like a predator seeing its prey for the first time. Suddenly August sat up and moved so that he was facing Gwen, cross-legged. He pulled gently on Gwen's tensed hands, pulled and tugged until Gwen unclenched his fingers and moved them away from his head. August's fingers curled in his. What happened today? August said again, persistent. Accidents happen, 
his mother had said. When he was not king, the game would begin again, and they would see which one of them triumphed. It would be his mother. He knew that. It was only a matter of time. He could be strong, even versed in minor magic. He could be adept at winning on a battlefield. But his mother would... find a way. She was more determined to see Gwen die than he was to live. And if she caught him in one of his bleaker moments, that would be it. It shouldn't still bother him, after all this time. It wasn't like she'd ever made a secret of how she felt about him. At least, not to him. August moved forwards, leaned over him, crowded him. "'What happened?' August said again, and Gwen shook his head in response. He didn't want to talk about it. Next week he'd simply tell August that the Wild Hunt plan could no longer be executed, and that August was safe from such an event, and he'd leave it as a casual statement, and then end the conversation. "'What happens in your court that makes you like this, in that dense head of yours? Turn, turn your head to the side.' Say something. Gwen turned his head enough that he could get a clear breath after having his face pushed into the blankets. August was encouraging him to tilt his head up with fingers under his chin, but Gwen refused to look at him. When August kept persisting, Gwen tilted his head away, towards his own shoulder. August huffed a breath of frustration. Say something, August said, a thread of command finding its way into his voice. I just wanted to help, Gwen said and winced at himself. "'How about something else?' August said, sounding irritated. Gwen was silent for a long time, thinking, and then his fingers twitched against August. "'Are you okay?' August made an actual sound of frustration and withdrew his fingers from Gwen's hand entirely. Gwen thought, suddenly frightened, that August might leave, but after a couple of minutes he pushed both of his hands into Gwen's hair and massaged at his scalp sending bursts of warmth all the way down his spine. Gwen's breath hitched on a moan he didn't voice. "'All these secrets that you keep,' August said softly. "'You hide your light, I've noticed. You've given me permission to dig into you, but it's harder than it looks. You make me work for your secrets, Gwen. You won't even tell me what happened today. You hide your innate power. And who knows what I don't know about your family, given that you think Ethnician's abuse of you is—' "'What, nothing?' If you make me work for them, Gwen, you will get hurt. I will find my way to what's inside of you. It sounded like an ominous promise, but it was hard to mind so much, with August's hands moving on his head like that. It was soothing. August lifted his hands away slightly, and Gwen froze, refusing to move up into the touch. He'd surely be showing too much of himself if he did that. August sighed once more, and lowered his hands again. Gwen had the strangest feeling that August was testing to see how Gwen would respond, if Gwen would arch up into his hands. He had an even stranger feeling that he should have moved up into the touch. "'You let me dig all that time ago, and the most I got out of you is that you didn't want to be like your father, and that you regretted what you'd done to Kalida and Weathon. Which, when I think about it now, you told me hardly anything at all.' Gwen didn't say anything. Honestly, it felt like he'd revealed a great deal to August at the time. But when he really thought about it, August was right. He'd revealed a great deal by his own standards, but in the long list of secrets that he kept and was expected to keep. What happened today? August persisted. Just this one thing. Tell me. Are you worried I'll use it against you? I might. But why worry about something so paltry when I've just treated you like the world's greatest evil anyway? 
I hardly think your secret is going to matter. <laughs> August laughed at himself, and Gwen blinked to hear the levity. At least August sounded more like himself than he had in a little while. He realized that whatever August had done, whether it was hurting Gwen, or nearly breaking the blood oath and shocking himself, or something else, it had helped. August might not have realized it yet, but it had. When August moved both of his hands away again, Gwen absently listed into them, and August hummed a rich approval at him. Gwen's whole body warmed in response. "'Talk to me, with words, that don't have help in them,' August said, and Gwen realized that August wasn't going to let this go. Gwen decided to stick with the barest of facts, finding a sentence he found passable. He only wanted to close his eyes and let himself drift under the sensuous touch that August was offering. "'Today the plot to have you attend the wild hunt came to a head.' The hands in his hair tensed. "'Which gave me the opportunity to shut it down completely. "'It will never happen, though. "'You and Ash, at least in this, are safe.' A long moment passed, and then August leaned down until his head was alongside Gwen's. "'Ash and I are safe,' August said slowly. Gwen nodded. "'That means you are not.' Gwen ground his teeth together. He said nothing at all. He expected August to push more, to dig at him, but instead August leaned up and slid off the bed. He removed the towel. Gwen shifted, uncomfortable, as cold air hit the damp on his back. And then he blinked in surprise when August covered him with a blanket and tucked it up over his shoulders. The bleeding has mostly stopped. One or two lacerations might bleed a little longer, August said with a calm efficiency. They'll be closed by tomorrow, Gwen said, and August sat cross-legged in front of him once more. I know, August said. He stroked his fingers over the parts of Gwen's face that he could reach, and Gwen tilted his head up, and then remembered that he wasn't supposed to do that. He went to hide his face again, and August quickly reached out and stopped him, sliding one hand between Gwen's other cheek and the blankets, while caressing his forehead with the backs of his fingers. Your life is in danger, August said. This is nothing new, Gwen said, and August took a slow breath. Today was different, August said. Yes, well, today I was tortured, wasn't I? Gwen snapped, and then his eyes widened. He was surprised at himself. The rush of indignation and annoyance left him as quickly as it had come, and he felt scoured out, like an empty shore in front of the receding tide. August laughed softly. Now, now, don't get defensive. Sensitive subject, is it? Don't pretend that the torture truly bothered you. I can guess what Ethnician did to you, at least some of it, and you can not a whit for the fact that he likely stabbed things into you and tormented you every one of those times he got you alone when your family insisted you should play together. Everyone knows your ability to withstand torture. This isn't about the fact that I cut you, and let's not look at the fact that you actually like a little knife play from time to time. Or shall we look at that, too? Where did that come from, I wonder? Gwen pushed himself upright to leave, and August placed his fingers over the blanket, over Gwen's ribs, and pushed deliberately down upon wounds that hadn't closed yet. Gwen made a short, frustrated sound, and sank down again. You can't leave, Gwen. You'll activate the blood oath. This is not aftercare, Gwen said, annoyed. Your blood oath was so woefully thin that it hardly matters what this is. Now, where was I? Oh, I remember. Your life is in danger. 
and it's nothing new. And then your captive dragged you down into a cell and cut you, while you told yourself you deserved it, because you were just like him. I've got the gist of it now, don't I? Look, I can feel you shaking. You don't like it when I get close to the truth, do you? This is bothering you far more than me almost permanently injuring your ribs ever did. August leaned forward and chuckled. <laughs> Imagine how much fun it's going to be when I make you show me your light. Fuck off, August, Quinn snarled, a flash of anger moving through him. August had no idea what he was talking about, no idea what he was messing with, and to hear him be so jovial about it made Gwen want to smash his fist through something, preferably August's face. August's laughter abruptly stopped. He paused, then shifted on the bed again. Gwen's eyes flew open when August simply lay down on top of him, his chest to Gwen's back over the blanket. He rested his head alongside Gwen's head, and his arms folded along Gwen's arms. He pushed his hands back into Gwen's hair, and then his mouth found the side of Gwen's ear. "'Shh,' he whispered. "'You're still shaking, did you know?' Gwen's forehead creased, his mouth thinned. He felt scattered, unsettled. August's weight was surprisingly grounding, but he didn't want to listen to anything else he had to say. He shook his head and didn't even know why he was shaking it. August forced his legs between Gwen's, even with the blankets separating them. It made Gwen feel oddly exposed, more vulnerable than when he was bleeding and bound in the cell. Two fingers came up and found the pulse at his neck, which Gwen knew was racing. August held his fingers there, and then took a long, deep breath that pushed his sternum and ribs down into Gwen's back. When he exhaled, he actually pushed his face against Gwen's. He kept his fingers on his pulse, reaching up with his thumb to stroke his neck lightly. "'It's dangerous,' August said, voiced even and... concerned, perhaps. Gwen couldn't tell. "'You wouldn't have stopped me. If there was no blood oath in place, I would have seriously, permanently harmed you.' "'You ordered the weapon,' Gwen said, accusing and August nodded. Yes, I did. I ordered it back when you first told me I could ask for just about anything from the Troes, and I wanted to be prepared in case you stumbled across the family curse again and decided you wanted to hunt me and then stab me in the shoulder with an arrow. Gwen realized that was fair. Besides, he didn't have to like it, but he was becoming increasingly certain that August wasn't going to destroy him. Not yet, anyway. Not while Gwen was the key to August's comfort levels in the palace, and his possible, eventual, freedom. It was hard to keep track of any of that, with August's weight on his back, his legs between Gwen's legs, his arms around his, squeezing a reassuring, firm pressure into him. August was everywhere, and Gwen could smell the freshness of him, the cleanness. I don't understand how no one else has realized that you're like this, August said to himself. Or perhaps some have, and never took advantage because of your reputation. You don't just have tendencies towards submission, Gwen. You're... Look at you. You need this. Another secret, then. One you've kept tucked away all the time. And of course I never betrayed it, for I was always discreet. Yes, Gwen said. Yes, you were. If anyone had realized, they'd never raised it with him. Moffat didn't count, anyway. And after that, certainly, he'd encountered opposition that had postured at him, who had threatened things, but no one had seriously tried to dominate him. No one except August, and August would never have tried if Gwen hadn't asked for it in the first place, afraid for his own life and mind, 
It was. August was right. It was another secret that he kept tucked away. And Gwen had established his own reputation. He fucked just off the battlefield, ruined with bloodlust, rough to boot. Soldiers and lovers knew in advance that being fucked by Gwen was, in no uncertain terms, difficult, intense, over-quickly. There were those who flirted with him because they liked the idea of danger, of being dominated. There were even those who flirted with the idea of winning the king to their beds so they could say they were with him, his consort. But Gwen was never interested in taking on a long-term lover. He was known instead as the beast who fucked like he killed. He got the job done. August tightened his body around Gwen's, and Gwen relaxed into the mattress without thinking about it. "'You're not like him,' August said, his voice cautious. "'The parallels are there, and obvious, but you're not. "'Take it from someone who knows you both quite well and can tell the difference. "'No, no, don't move. Relax, Gwen. Just—' Gwen had tensed at August's words. "'You're still a monster,' August said a smile entering his voice. But there are different calibers of monster. Gwen thought back to his mother, calling him Creature. It had been a common name, growing up. I'm a monster, too, August said, and he sounded proud of himself as he said it. It was, obviously, not a source of shame for him. Gwen wondered if that was because he had spent so much time in the unsteady world, amongst the fae in the court itself. You're still shaking. August said, and Gwen shook his head, because he didn't know what to say. The events of the day had caught up with him. He was glad for August's weight on his back, the arms around his arms. He was even grateful for the tangle of damp hair that had fallen alongside his own. Time drifted, and then August shifted, lifted his head, smoothed back the curls at the base of Gwen's neck. Gwen expected fingertips trailing, perhaps, and gasped when August pressed an open-mouthed kiss to the warm skin there. Oh! Gwen said, soft. The kisses continued, one after another, tracing a chain down until they reached the back of his jawbone, and there August traced the line of it with his tongue. It was startlingly intimate. August, Gwen whispered, and August said nothing, only kissed his way back to Gwen's spine again, licking over the back of his neck. The hand that was holding his hair away smoothed it, tangled in his curls, and August's other hand tightened around his arm. His legs encouraged Gwen's further apart. Gwen felt as though he were on some unnameable precipice. He didn't know how to tell August that no one had treated him like this before. Didn't have words for it. After several minutes of those long, intimate kisses, August suddenly sank his teeth deep into the back of Gwen's neck, over his spine. Teeth cut through skin, and blood spilled. And Gwen, after crying out in pain, felt his entire body shudder to a complete halt. His mind went blank, and a lassitude crept over him. He sank down into the blankets. His breathing became deep. August withdrew his teeth slowly, and then licked at the blood that flowed from the wounds with relish. "'Would you look at that?' August breathed with a dark sort of satisfaction. "'What?' Gwen said, voice sluggish once more, lazy with warmth. "'You've stopped shaking.' August kept looking at him waiting for the wounds to start healing before pressing kisses to his neck once more. And Gwen didn't move, only sighed into the bed itself, and moaned softly when August scraped his teeth over his earlobe. "'Let's not do that again,' August said against his skin, breath cool against the saliva clinging to him. "'You're a little too good at pretending to be a prisoner.' 
I wonder why. Gwen suppressed the urge to laugh. August could keep on wondering. He wasn't going to find out why.